Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by Carrier. Turn to the experts. Roger, appreciate you holding. How can I help you? Yeah, Jim, how you doing? Can you hear me good? Oh, yes, sir. I've got a home, 2,260 square feet. It's got two HVACs upstairs, heating and air conditioner units. Uh, and I think what I may be fixing to go out is kind of recycling too often, you know, about every seven minutes. Uh, do you think I could replace with just a single unit using the same existing duct work, or do I need to go the same way I've been going with two units up there? Well, is it one, is one unit for upstairs and one unit for downstairs? No, or it's a single story. One unit controls bedrooms and two bathrooms, and the rest of the bigger unit controls uh, the whole house. Or rest okay. Of the house. Okay. Usually the reason they do that is basically your house is zoned and so like at night you can let the temperature rise a little bit in the living area and cool down the bedrooms and in the during the day you do just the opposite so it helps somewhat with the energy cost nowadays uh, you know a lot of people will put in one unit and zone it with the one unit but what you have to look at is how many square feet did you say it is 2260 see Residential units, only the largest unit is five tons. And depending on how many windows, what insulation you have, direction the house faces, all these things go into the calculations, you may be over five tons. And if that's the case, that's why you have two units. Okay, well, I didn't know if I could come out better with just using a single unit. Uh, but uh, two are still... They're about 15 years old is the reason I'm asking. It may be time sure. to replace both of them, but I know, uh, especially one of them. Yeah, well, the fact that it's cycling on and off usually is not an indication that the unit's going bad. It may need some yeah. servicing. Uh, but I'll tell you, if you'll call and talk with the guys over at uh, Advent Air, yes, sir. they they can really take a look at it, run the, the numbers, and make sure that you could switch to one unit or, you know, if, if you're having to have a two, three tons because you need six tons of cooling. Right. Okay, I've heard you talk about Advent Air a lot on your program, so I'll give them a call and see what they say. All righty. Thank you. Take, take care, Roger. Yeah, and Advent Air's number is 972-221-4373. And, and like I said, you got to run the load calculations. Uh, and even once the load calculations are done for how much heating and air you need, the secondary question, and I didn't address that with him, is you got to take a look at the ductwork and see if it can be used off of one unit. Because it more than likely isn't sized properly to be one unit. You'd probably have to reduct the house if you went from two units down to one. Again, adding cost to it. So cost-wise, you, you may be better off to replace just what you've got there. Uh, and, and again, just because a unit is cycling too fast, typically is not an indication that it's wearing out. It's an indication it needs some servicing done. Uh, you know, it could be getting low on coolants for some reason or, or one of the sensors is going out, something along those lines. Jake, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Hey, how you doing? Thanks for taking my call. My pleasure. Hey, so 
would preface my question by saying I know little to nothing about electrical work. And with that being said, I just bought a bought a new house, and it's a lot of do-it-yourself, uh, handyman type work done in it. So I would say about 60 to 70% of the outlets are not grounded. How big of an issue is that, and how hard is it going to be to ground them? Why are they not grounded? How old a house is this? I was built in the mid to late 90s. Late 90s? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it's, I mean, in the late 90s, all outlets should have already been grounded at that point. Uh, what I think it's because a lot of it was not done by a professional electrician. It was just done by the previous homeowner. They did a complete remodel of the house. Yeah, but e even when they did that, I mean, typically the way the wires are nowadays, everything is got the the grounding wires already run to it. So, uh, I guess the first thing I would say is, have you opened up any of the outlets to see if the grounding wire is in there? Uh, I have done I haven't done them all, but I've done one or two, and I did not see one. Okay. Well, here's a sh here's here's the uh, truth of the matter is code required it to be grounded the fact that it's not i mean is that earth shattering no because if you go back to the houses that were built prior to really around 1970 none of them were grounded okay that all that all came later so it, it's not like it, it's not like the house can't can't survive without it uh the okay. grounding can affect some of your electronics though like computers and some of these new high-tech TVs we have and if you do need a ground a particular outlet it, it can be done by simply hooking the wire running it outside and grounding it um, I, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm a little shocked that it, it that the wires that they got didn't have enough wires in there to ground it though right so you wouldn't recommend ha having an electrician come in and doing all the outlets the you right know, way if it's not that big of a deal i would probably recommend having one come in and check it to see if it can be done okay i appreciate you sir you bet take care uh, you too have a good one bye sergio in denton how are you today hello jim thanks for taking my call hey i have a question i've got a uh, uh an outside uh, faucet a uh, no fr no freeze uh, faucet I've got yeah. two by six uh, walls, uh, exterior walls, plus a brick uh, uh, veneer. Uh, what I'm finding is is that uh, the uh, when I tighten the uh, the faucet uh, uh, it handle, um, it bottoms out, and I'm just now just basically tur getting to turn the water off. Uh, I have uh, replaced the washer um, already, put a new washer on it. Uh, but again, when, when I tighten it up, it, it bottoms the bottom of the uh, the handle to the the actual nut, uh, the, uh, the 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 faucet seal nut uh, to right. the top. So I can't tighten the faucet anymore. Uh, I've got uh, other outdoor faucets, and I, I've got a good uh, eighth to a quarter of an inch uh, stem still revealed when the, uh, the the faucet is tightened. So I'm just wondering what is going on with that. Is 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 the seat of the valve uh, in the wall? Uh, deteriorated or is it about to give way uh, and, and I'm going to have a flood in my house? Well, it, it could be that it's, you know, that, that the seat is just worn and, and is worn down that much. But 
for that, you would have had to been using the heck out of that faucet, have you? Well, I, I used to use uh, a timer with a uh, drip hose around the, the foundation to kind of keep uh, the stabilize the foundation. And I probably had that going for a couple of years where it would turn on in the middle of the night for a couple of hours just to kind of keep the foundation um, damp, so to speak, or, you know, uh, stable. So well, that, that shouldn't have done it. Um, the opening and closing of the faucet is what could wear on it some. Now, the other thing that it can be is the, the nut that you're talking about under the faucet there. There's packing uh-huh. under that. And have you tried to see if you can tighten up that nut some? Yes, I've, I've uh, opened it up and actually removed the whole stem and the nut, checked out both the, uh, the, 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 the washer for the, the, the seal and then uh, actually the washer all the way at the bottom of the stem uh, to okay. it, it turns off the water. So everything is intact and, and looks okay. Uh, yeah. I just can't see down in the bottom of that faucet uh, because I said it's, it's a long uh, sure. faucet. Well, as long as you can uh, still shut the water off and you've got all new gaskets and everything in there, new seals, I wouldn't worry about it. I think I, it should be just fine. I built out the attic space, which originally was designed to have upstairs game room. Since installing, I've noticed drywall damage on the first floor. Online images describe it to be joist uplift. I did install ceiling joists and interior walls in the attic space. Any ideas? Well, if you installed some additional walls up there, you change the loads. When you change the loads, some of your ceiling joists for the first floor may be sagging a little bit and putting some different pressures on things. So more than likely that's what it is. And, uh, you know, this is my guess without looking at it. But, you know, you put in the wall, you added the sheetrock, if, and you added sheetrock on the ceiling, that can put a little more load on the ceiling, which can sag the roof rafters a little bit. It, it, everything combined just adds a little bit more load. So things shift around a little bit. And if it is, like you're saying, just the joints in the sheetrock, I would not lose any sleep over it. I would retape and float it and be done because really what that indicates to me is not so much that you shifted loads as much as the tape and float probably wasn't that good to begin with. Because typically, if it's from shifting loads and you're, you're getting movement in the framework or foundation or anything else, normally it's not going to shear the sheetrock joints. It's angles above the doors and windows, things like that, where it'll split. So I'm betting that this is nothing more than, yes, you did change loads just a little bit. You now air conditioning that space up top. Joist changed sizes just slightly from being dried out better. You're getting some joints in the sheetrock that are opening up and just have to be retaped and floated. Nothing that I would lose a lot of sleep over. I know it's aggravating to look at it, but like I said, I would just go ahead and have it taped and floated. You may want to get it looked at by somebody prior to tape it floating, uh, you know, by a foundation contractor or an engineer. But once you've done that, I wouldn't worry about it a bit. And as promised, Deborah, I appreciate you holding. How can I help you? Well, I had my heart set on 
underfloor electric heating for my bathroom remodel. My contractor says no. The electrician says no. And I'm stubborn. So I decided to get a third opinion. So okay. I hope you can help me. Why are they telling you no? They said it wasn't invented for this part of the country that you have to, it's, you know, know someone to put it in. They don't know anybody. And then the tile people will have a problem with it. I'm like, okay, surely that can all be worked out. Okay. I'm here to tell you, they are correct. It was not invented for this part of the country. But let me tell you, it is used in this part of the country all the time. Okay. When, when you buy high-end houses, and I'm talking these, these people who spend a million dollars on their houses and stuff, they have underneath their tile the, the warmers to take care of keeping their toes nice and warm when they step out of the bathtub or shower. Mm -hmm. So it absolutely is available. In fact, Floor and Decor carries it in their stores. Oh, okay, because I'm going to buy my tile there. Yeah, just so. ask just ask the guys at Floor and Decor about it because I, I actually have seen it in their stores both here in Dallas and in the Houston area. So I'm now I'm not I'm not 100% sure they carry it year round. Uh -huh. But even if they don't, they know they can get it for you. Well, I stayed at a hotel in Ireland one time. It was the most luxurious thing to have a heated floor. I'm always cold. Yep. And I just thought, we're tearing up the floor, let's do it. So I'm going to go well, talk to them. And, and you know what? You, you hear me say it all the time when I talk about carpet. That's the reason I keep carpet in the bedrooms. Even if I have wood floors in my bedrooms, yeah. I've got carpet down over it because when I step out of bed, I don't like my toes being cold. <laughs> me either. Uh, okay. and, and when I get up and go into my bathroom, the first thing I do is I turn on a heater in there to heat the place up. Yeah. So I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. As far as the tile guys having a problem and uh, laying tile over it, mm -hmm. absolutely not. Okay. I mean, it, it is nothing more than a mat that lays down under the tile, and they lay the tile floor same as always over the top of it. Okay. So you just have an electrician that needs to know what they're doing then. You just have to have an electrician who's willing to, yeah, install the plug for it and a switch. And okay. the reason I asked why did they tell you no, if they'd have told me, you know, if they'd have said, well, you just don't have enough power to the house anymore, you know, your mm -hmm. breaker box is full or something like that, okay, I could maybe understand that. Okay. But these things don't even use that much energy nowadays. Okay. Well, I appreciate your time, and thank you so much. Now, Deborah, there's one thing I will tell you about them. The, okay. Uh, they come in, in, in sizes, and depending on what you're going to have to decide is if you want to do your entire bathroom or mm -hmm. just like where the tub it, or, and shower is. Yeah, because I think they, that's the best yeah, idea. Just... It is, because they don't come in that big of pieces. Uh -huh. And if you start trying to do a large bathroom, the whole floor, uh, you will run into a, a power problem. Okay, yeah, it's not a really big bathroom, and I felt like just in the shower room and toilet area, not the dressing area, would be yep. terrific. Okay. All right, Jim, thank you. You're so welcome. You have a have wonderful you. afternoon. You as well, thanks. Bye-bye. 214-787-1080. That's 214-787-1080. Drives me nuts when contractors try to tell you, oh, that's not available here because they don't know how to use it. Now, I, I, want, I knew a home inspector one time, 
he went out and looked at a house, and he was bragging about this at a luncheon, that he went and looked at a house, and because it had a swamp cooler on the house that was 30 years old, and he didn't know how to inspect it, he told them it had to be replaced. Now, a swamp cooler is a, a, a type of AC system, basically, that's used on large buildings. And uh, it, it basically cools the air as it's circulating through. The water runs down over pipes to, to chill the pipes, and that's how it cools rather than the coils that, that we're all used to. But the, the system that he was telling people to replace simply because he didn't know how to do the inspection was like a $60,000 unit. And I lost all respect for that guy for doing that. If you didn't know how to inspect it, get somebody else in there who does. And that's the same thing with a, a floor heater like this. Now, if the electric ones that go under the tile in our climate is perfectly fine because you throw a switch, it's on, it takes a while to heat it up, don't get me wrong, but you shut the switch off, it's done heating, and the tiles will start cooling off relatively quickly. The other ones that they make are a recirculating system where they're using pipes. And this is really what they use a lot in, in the northern states for heating. It's radiant heat. They run tubing through the concrete foundation. And so whether it's tile, wood, carpet, whatever, it, it all gets heated up. Well, when you turn that system on, it takes hours for it to come up through the floors because you're having to heat the entire concrete slab first. And when you shut it off, it's radiating heat for another two days, usually. It, but the, these small electric ones, they come in sheets about three foot by five or six foot long that you can put around a tub or shower area on and off relatively quick. Do a wonderful job to keep you comfortable. TJ, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Hey, Jim, thank you for taking my call. I appreciate it. Uh, I have a quick question. I, um, it, of course, the last couple of weeks have been raining a lot. And on the days that it, one day in particular, it was raining and very, very windy. And on the days it rains and winds, I have a window uh, on a two-story home, but it's the, on the first floor, um, the window is leaking. And not leaking from, like, where the window opens and shuts, but it's, like, leaking like in the drywall and the header right above it. Yes. And it, like I said, only when it's raining and windy a lot. And I don't know where that's coming from. Two-story house? Two-story house. Window above on above that window on for the second floor? No, this is the first floor, but it's right. Um, but is there, is there another window? It. Is there another window above it though for the second yes. floor? Yes, sir. There is a window above it, and everything yep. up there looks dry. Yeah, but that's where it's leaking. Uh, okay. More than likely, it's the caulking around the window on the outside. So the water runs down that window, hits a little opening, and gets into the wall cavity. And it's running down the backside of stuff and hitting the sill plate above the window, the lentil up there. Yeah. Above, above the first window, and that's what's then dumping it into the sheetrock and everything. Okay. Okay, so, so just the caulking yeah, outside of that second window? Correct. Almost always that's what it is. Okay. Perfect. Well, I'll, take, I'll check that out. Thank you. You bet. Have a great afternoon. 
if you got a two-story house and you're getting water hitting the top of the window on the first floor, it's normally because you've got a leak on the window on the second floor. How to find clean out in sewer line. Had a contractor install one three years ago. Cannot find it. Is it in line with the vent on the rooftop? Yes, it is. And just to give you an idea of which vent, because most roofs have multiple vents, the clean out will be in line with the large vents on the roof. The small ones are for your sinks and stuff like that. The larger vents are for the toilets. And the reason for that, sink lines only require like an inch and a half or two inch line. So does your, your uh, washing machine and all that stuff. The toilets require a three or four inch line, depending on city codes and how the house is plumbed and how many toilets you got coming into it. And so the larger vent lines is where the line is coming out from under the house. And so you can pick up a pro broad or use a piece of rebar if the ground's not too hard. Right, And right now, because of the rains, the, the first foot is usually fairly soft. After that, you are still getting into dry ground. Uh, we all think that all oh, the rain soaked in deep, but it didn't. It's, it's only in the top 12 inches or so. But take a probe rod and uh, start probing where you see that large clean out on the roof. And you, you'll somewhat have an idea where the sewer line is exiting that way. And the sewer line itself is probably going to be down about two and a half feet. And so you got to push down pretty far to uh, hit it. Sometimes it's as much as four feet, but usually it's in the two and a half, three foot range. Uh, if you know you had a clean out put in, then it's really just a matter of kind of following and, and pushing down like six, eight inches till you hit the top of a clean out somewhere. Because usually those are not going to be buried by much other than the mulch or whatever in your flower beds. Janet, welcome to KRLD. How can I help you? Thanks for taking my call. I have, when I take a hot bath, the water runs out my front door close to the garage through two or one of the two hot uh, white pipes that are extending from the wall. It's a hardy plank home. Okay. I don't know why the hot water runs out unless somebody said it might be an overflow from a hot water heater. It's a three-quarter inch pipe, a small pipe up there, right? Yes, there's two of them about a foot from the ground. Yeah, okay. It more than likely is from the hot water heater, and it's a pressure release valve, a pop-off valve. And what those are for is, in the old days before we had those, if a water heater started um, messing up, it could overheat and explode. And so we, we now install these pressure relief valves that if it starts overheating and pressuring up too much, instead of the water heater exploding, this valve opens up and starts relieving the hot water. And what it kind of sounds like is when you're using a lot of hot water and it's got to start, you know, uh, reheating what's in the tank, that it may be overdoing it and causing that pressure relief valve to pop open. Or the pressure relief valve has just gotten old and needs to be replaced. Either way, it definitely needs to be checked out. Okay, well, a hot water heater is only a year old. Well, that doesn't mean the pressure relief valve can't be flawed or that the water heater thermostat couldn't have a 
a defect in it where it's overheating the water. Okay, so it's not something I need to have checked out then. Yeah, it definitely is something that needs to be checked out. And since it's only a year old, do you know what who who put it in? Yes. I would call them and have them come out and check it. Okay. All right. Well, I sure thank you. You bet, Janet. You take care. Okay. okay. Bye-bye. And those pressure relief valves, yes, it used to be a major problem when we didn't have those. I mean, you would hear about places just plain exploding. Uh, it's where we say boilers were exploding. And that used to be what the water heaters were is basically boilers. But anymore, no, we don't, you don't hear about that too often. We had the uh, gas leak explosion, you know, what, a week ago. And uh, that used to be kind of a common occurrence. And, and it, when a water heater used to explode, it could sometimes shoot up through the ceiling or through a wall, things like that, or level a house completely. And, uh, and talking about the gas leak. Look, uh, while all that was happening, I mean, this is a problem that's been around since we started putting pipes in the ground that they're gonna leak. And I know they're, they're trying to say, oh, that area has the worst soil and that's what's causing it. Please don't buy into that. That was bull honk. The, the whole area has moving soils on a regular basis. That's the reason when we have droughts, you see all the water leaks. If you're in an area where you get water leaks, you're also in an area where the gas lines can get leaks. Now we've only got about 43% according to what they're, they're publishing, 43% of the pipes are still the old black iron pipes. Now, we, we're all familiar with uh, galvanized pipes for water lines, and it used to be black iron for gas lines. They're now, you know, going to the poly tubes, and I, I have issues with poly tubes as well because at least the cast, the old black iron pipes, if you dig down to it, you would hit the pipe and not necessarily rupture it. Those plastic pipes, they take no hit at all and they leak. But they are flexible so as the soils move you're not going to get gas line leaks that way. Uh, and then the news media was trying to scare people at, well we don't know who all still has the metal lines running to their house. Honestly, a lot of us still have metal lines running to, a, to the house. If you get a leak, it does need to be repaired. Is, is that a tragedy that that house blew up and killed that poor little girl? Absolutely. And yes, the lines do need to be replaced. And this is not going to fix the whole problem we're having. There are tons of these lines still out there that are going to have to be replaced. And it's just going to take time to get all those lines replaced. One thing to remember, if you're smelling the gas, it's time to get somebody on the phone right away. And I saw that news story where the one guy was calling and the gas was coming enough up through the ground enough he could actually use a lighter to set it on fire. And once he did that, yeah, they got right out there. Gas line leaks, uh, if it become, especially if it becomes a large one, can become very dangerous because even air conditioner kicking on can set it on fire and cause an explosion. Anything that sparks could cause the explosion. So they do definitely, if you're smelling gas, it definitely 
needs to be addressed right away. <coughs> if you're not smelling gas, I would not lose any sleep over it. If you smell gas in your home, call a plumber. Get out of the house, but call a plumber and shut the gas off to your house yourself. If you go out to where the meter is, there's a little valve that all you got to do is turn it a quarter turn and it shuts the gas off. You'll need a wrench to do that. But the reason for that, if you call the gas company, they're going to come out and have to pull the meter. And once they do that, you got to bring the entire home up to current code as far as the gas lines before they can put the meter back in. And it's not unusual for that to cost anywhere from $3,000 to $10,000. Because anything that has just the most minor bubble to it has to be replaced. Valves have to be changed out to current valves. Uh, so it all depends on how much gas stuff you have in your home. So again, if you start suspecting or smell any type of gas leak in your home, get a plumber out immediately to get that taken care of. If it's bad enough, yes, call the gas company and have, have it shut off. But quite frankly, if you go out and shut the meter off yourself, you've already killed the gas going to the home. And then you can have it repaired a whole lot more cost effectively than having to bring the entire home up to current codes. And that means if you've got a gas water heater, it's got to be elevated to, you know, to the proper the ventilation's got to be changed. and I mean, there's just a ton of things that go into it, and that's the reason it gets so expensive. Gas is nothing to mess with, but it also has to be dealt with on a kind of a, a common sense way. Jennifer, how are you yes. today? Hi, happy Saturday. Well, thank you. <laughs> um, my husband and I are planning a retirement home, and we were looking at uh, building a concrete block house, basically just because, you know, insulation, all the good things with concrete block. And if we do have flooding, then it would be easier to recover from that. But I noticed that in the Texas-Houston area, you don't see a lot of them. And I'm wondering, if is that because there are issues with concrete block homes, whether it's mold or vapor or whatever in this area that would cause this to not be a good idea for us to plan? No, it's strictly cost. Really? It, it, it is so cheap to build uh, wood homes, you know, using two-by-four studs and stuff uh -huh. as, comp as compared to a concrete block home. Uh, that That's just what people go with. Because even if you build a concrete block home, you'll end up putting, you know, studs on the inside. Uh-huh. And, and putting all your finish work on the studs, you're going to want to put insulation in it. And then on the outside of the blocks, you got to do something to finish them off to make them look good. Uh, by the time you do all that stuff, it, it's just it's not even in the same ballpark as far as building a, a standard stud home. Well, we are going to have, uh, we have some friends in the construction industry that are going to help us on it. So that will mitigate some of the costs. But, but as far as this area and as far as it being damp or humid or anything, then, then it, it just strictly costs, and, and having yeah. one would be a no, benefit. If you look at the commercial buildings, a lot uh -huh. of commercial buildings are built out of block. Uh, you know, and, and they built the commercial buildings because they have, that way because they got to meet different building standards than on a home. 
Uh, so uh-huh. as, as far as the building technique, no, you'll be totally fine with that. Oh, great. Okay, well, we'll just continue as planned, Ben. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. Have a great weekend. <laughs> you too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. It's a sad day when we, when, when we have to look at building our homes for flooding. And, you know, one of the things I, I will tell everybody, if you're going to build a new home, make sure you check out the flood maps build higher than the floodplains are because down the road those maps will change and don't meet the bare bones minimum get your house up because someday neighbors going to come in they're going to fill yards and somebody's going to put a, a road and block things and don't take the chances just keep your houses higher than anything that's required and hopefully you'll be all right with that You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com.